Welcome back to the FreightWaves Enterprise Fleet Summit. I'm FreightWaves Editor-at-Large, John Kingston. It was New Year's Eve 2019. My wife and I had just come back from dinner. We figured we'd await the start of 2020 at home. Of course, who knew what 2020 was bringing us? I got a call from a colleague asking me if I was busy that earlier in the day, a federal court in California had handed down a temporary injunction that blocked the independent contractor law known as AB5 from being implemented in that state against the trucking sector. It could go against everybody else, but not trucking. And the question was, could I write the story? Well, yes, I could. And from that moment on, it has been quite a ride covering the legal process for freightways. We thought that the Enterprise Fleet Summit would be a great opportunity to bring everybody up to speed on where the battle over AB5 in California stands. And it is a good time, too, because barring something totally unexpected like happening in the next five minutes, uh, we are in a dead period while we await the United States Supreme Court to rule on the law, specifically whether it will grant review of a lower court appeal. Uh, depending on what it does, trucking in California may never be the same, or it might be exactly the same. Throughout our coverage of AB5, I've often talked, uh, often turned to Greg Fury for guidance and good quotes. Greg is a partner with the trucking-focused law firm of Scopolitis, Garvin, Light, Hansen, and Fury, and he's here with us today to talk about the future of AB5 and trucking in California. Greg, thanks for joining us. Hi, John. I appreciate being here. So my fear in putting this interview together was that we could spend the whole 20 minutes recapping everything that's happened in the legal process, and that could eat up the whole time. And that's not a particular value to anybody, but I do think we have to recap it a little bit. So we'll try to keep it simple. Uh, my first statement would be that uh, AB5 in general is a law that makes it far more difficult for any company in California to hire independent contractors. It isn't just trucking. Uh, let's start by talking about the ABC test, which is a core part of AB5. The ABC test was around prior to AB5. What is it? ABC test is a, is a many people call it a multi-factor test, John, but it is not. It has three factors. But multi-factor tests are balancing tests. This is a multi-factor test that requires you to meet each of the three factors. And if you don't meet each of them, you don't have an independent contractor. Those three factors are A, right of control, meaning that you don't control the worker, uh, at least the daily details of the worker. B, that that worker is not in the same trade profession or occupation as you, the company and see that the the worker is in an independently established trader business. Right. Now, all along, I mean, obviously, A and C have to be met, but all along from day one, the problem with the ABC test in AB5 was the B prong. Can you review, I mean, you just mentioned what the B prong is, but give an example why a trucking company might fall afoul of it. Well, what is often referred to as the traditional independent contractor structure in trucking is motor carriers would onboard and contract with owner operators who own their own trucks uh, and operate under the motor carrier's authority. And the, the question becomes, uh, will a judge uh, agree that being a truck driver is a different trade profession or occupation than being a motor carrier? Uh, many under the ABC test that's been around for years, as you've said, many judges don't agree. They simply take a 55-gallon drum approach and say, well, you know, trucking is trucking is trucking. Motor carriers are in trucking. So are the drivers. They're all in trucking. Therefore, 
the owner operator is not in a, in a, uh, a different trade profession or occupation. There is one exception, notable exception back in uh, 2020, uh, a case that came out of the Indiana Supreme Court called uh, QDA uh, actually took the opposite view, but, but uh, we wouldn't necessarily think that um, paternalistic California courts would take such a view. Right. Okay. Now let's talk about the legal process that's happened so far. Let me just go back. I've always, when I've written about it, I've made the distinction that a trucking company under the B prong would have no problems hiring a janitorial company to clean the offices at night, but would have might have trouble hiring a trucking company because they're involved in trucking. Again, oversimplistic, but same idea. So let's talk about the legal process first. The preliminary injunction, the New Year's Eve that I mentioned at the start of this, became a temporary injunction a few weeks later. Uh, what was the legal basis for the injunction? The the court believed that the likelihood of the F quad A, a federal law that reserves to the federal government the regulation over prices, routes, and services of trucking, that the likelihood that it would be proven that AB5 was um, improperly regulating at the state level prices, routes, and services of trucking. So AB5 should be federally preempted. That was the basis for the preliminary injunction. Right. And then the state of California appealed that injunction to a three-person appellate court, and and it was scopolitis that day. I, I mean, I listened to it, and of course, not being a lawyer, a lot of it was sort of over my head, but it was scopolitis that put out one of its legal briefs that said, uh-oh, you know, this might be in trouble here. You know, you interpreted the judges as thinking that, that uh, AB5 was not in conflict, with F quad A, F four A, and ultimately that view was correct because about that that the arguments before the court were in September. I think they, they were the day after Labor Day in 2020, and then the decision saying that in fact AB five could be implemented in trucking came down like the following April. So at that point, uh, the California Trucking Association, which brought the original lawsuit, had lost, and we faced the prospect of AB five becoming the law of the land in California trucking. What has happened since then? So the California Trucking Association did two things. It asked the Ninth Circuit uh, not to uh, send a uh, writ of mandate to turn the law back on, if you will, but give them the opportunity to appeal the case to the U.S. Supreme Court. Then they filed their uh, writ of certiorari to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court has now asked the Solicitor General for their view, the the federal government for their view of whether or not this case should be heard by the U.S. Supreme Court. Right. And I I think the general consensus is the fact that they even asked for that bodes well, because not just that they asked for that, but there are two other F4A cases that they're looking at. And so it bodes well for the prospect of maybe being granted certiorari. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, it's hard to handicap that. And you know that as well as I do, John. But and by the way, we don't expect the Solicitor General's briefs on those cases, or at least on um, the one we're talking about, until probably May, which probably takes it out of this session, which ends in June. But yeah, we're, we're optimistic for sure that, that uh, certiorari will be granted. All right. So in, in, until then, though, I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, the United States of America somewhere has in its in its plans, well, what happens if we have nuclear war? And I'm sure that some of the particularly bigger trucking companies in California do have in their plans 
what happens if AB5 does become the law in California trucking? You and I had a conversation. I worked on a, an article about that. And you were laying out some scenarios that just had my head spinning because these were complete changes to the model that they operate on now. Uh, let's talk about some of them. Again, they're all theoretical. Uh, some of them may never see the light of day. But let's start with the one that I remember you spoke to me about, and that's kind of the brokerage model, where what is now a trucking company, which presumably probably has a brokerage arm, becomes nothing but a broker. How does that work? So let, let's assume that AB5 goes into play. That's what you're really asking. So how do you meet the B problem? Well, you're, you're going to have to convince a judge that your trade occupation and profession is different than who you're dealing with, who's hauling the goods and delivering them. Property brokers are very different, as you know, John, and, and your audience knows, very different, regulated very differently uh, than motor carriers. Uh, it, someone who is simply regulated as a property broker cannot do the business of motor carriage. Someone who is regulated solely as a motor carrier, licensed only as a motor carrier, is really not allowed to do property brokerage. They're, they're different. There's fines associated with operating in either of the other space without those authorities. So I think the brokerage model would be someone deciding that their entire operations in the state of California would be only as a property broker tendering off the freight to third-party motor carriers to deliver it. Right. So, the, I mean, the, the people who really get hit by that, I, I was at the, the Mats conference, the Mid-America Trucking Show last week, speaking to some company, and we talked about recruiting, and he said basically his company is half the freight is pulled by company drivers and half of it is driven by uh, owner-operators. In, in a model like that, if you're working for, if you're a company driver in a company that's making that switch to that kind of all brokerage model, your job is basically gone, is it not? Well, uh, possibly. the. What I think might happen actually is the owner operators that were under contract to that motor carrier, we'll just say in California, they're going to have to go out and get their own motor carrier authority. And while that's not an expensive process, the motor carrier authority itself, the auto liability insurance that you have to have to qualify as a motor carrier is very expensive for these guys. I mean, we're talking $20,000 a year or more. That's, that's a big number for these guys. The Whether or not a company would abandon their company trucks and their employee drivers is a different issue. That may have more to do with an operating model. But I think the owner-operators will face an interesting choice. They'll either decide to be employee truck drivers if that company's willing to retain employee truck drivers, which is a very different job than being an owner-operator, um, or they're going to have to go out and get their own motor carrier authority, which means they're going to have to get their own auto liability insurance, which is a, a significant change in how they operate because they'll also have to make sure that they comply with all the safety regulations. And as an owner operator, they were they were operating under the safety system of that motor carrier that they were they were under contract with. Now they're going to have to have their own safety system. So it's. You're right. It's a it's a sea change. Well, let's let's realize that getting authority could be tough, but it's doable. I guess 110,000 were doled out by FMCA last year, so there's quite a few. You kind of made reference to this, and then let's let's pursue it a little more. The idea of a company just saying, "Okay, we'll just hire a bunch of company drivers." Is that an is that an option, or is this 
Is this business just too up and down, up and down? Uh, that makes that a, a not particularly appealing option. Well, I, you know, I think it starts with a pretty important proposition uh, that sometimes is skipped when kind of conceptually talking about this. A lot of companies say, "Well, why don't we?" Oh, that's fine. We'll just we'll just turn all our independent contractors into employee drivers. Well, how do you do that if these guys have selected being independent contractors? They bought their own truck. You know, they've had opportunities to be employee drivers. As a general proposition, statistically, for every one owner-operator, there's 11 or 12 job openings for employee truck drivers. Why aren't they an employee truck driver if they wanted to be that? So presumably, they'll say, you know, you may want me to be an employee driver, but that's not what I want to do. They may move out of the state. They may, may go to some other state and, and be an owner-operator for another motor carrier whose operations don't even touch California. So, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, that, that leads to the next question. How easy would it be for a California company? I mean, California is a huge state, but from east side to west side, it isn't that wide, actually. <laughs> you know, given, and given how long these some of these drivers drive, what, what about the option? It just seems too easy to just pack up and go across the Nevada line or the Arizona line or the Oregon line. Meaning that an owner-operator would just relocate their domicile, their their residence, and then continue to do business with the California uh, motor carrier in and out of California. That, that's, a, that's a jurisdictional issue, and, and it's not as easy to say that as long as they're living in Nevada – they're, they're not subject to the jurisdiction of California law. There's more to it than that. And I think if they had a substantial operational nexus such that they were picking up the origin of the freight, most importantly, was coming out of California and they were regularly going in and out of California, I think you would probably see California trying to exercise their jurisdiction through AB5. Now, there is a provision in the law called the business-to-business exception. Uh, you talked earlier in the in your comments about uh, a multi-pronged test where you have to meet every provision to be successful. Uh, I believe that there are about 12 points in the business-to-business exception, and you've got to score 100. You know, 65 isn't passing. What are the things in the business-to-business exception? Not all of them. I know we don't have time to go through all of them, but maybe you can touch on a few key points. And what does it allow you to do? So there's actually, you're correct, John, there's 12, although only 11 would apply to the trucking industry. So I suppose for trucking, there's 11. Um, Certainly uh, there's this notion that they would all have to become incorporated or LLCs. That's actually not true. That's not required by one of the factors. They would have to be a business. The problem with the business to business exemption is that it runs contradictory to the federal leasing regulations. The federal leasing regulations require a particular contractual structure where the owner-operator's truck is under the exclusive possession, control, and use of the motor carrier. That exclusivity required by the federal law runs completely contradictory to one or even two points of those uh, 11 factors, and so you would you, you would lose, as you said, you have to score an A on that, all 11. Are there other pathways that are under discussion? And we, we talked about a few of these here. Anything else that people are looking at besides just packing up and leaving the state? Well, there are some people trying to figure out if there is a jurisdictional workaround. There are certainly people 
evaluating whether motor carrier, these owner operators would be willing to, to become motor carriers, uh, operating on an employee platform. All of those are being explored. And honestly, John, it's, it's funny you say it, but there are certainly, I have clients saying it's not worth uh, operating in California anymore. The revenue that we get is not worth the potential liabilities. And some of those liabilities, class action lawsuits are, are really significant. Yeah, let's point out that along the way here, we gave our little timeline about what's happened. There was a case that said that actions under AB5 can be filed retroactively. So if, let's say, you know, June of 2023, let me get my year straight, June of 2023, the Supreme Court comes down and denies certiorari. I'm sure they would do that before. And AB5, and my understanding is that AB5 then takes takes uh, grips the trucking industry immediately, that you could certainly see the state of California file some suits retroactively against trucking companies uh, to kind of establish, uh, you know, its power and the fact that it, it plans to make this go away. Is, is it, do you foresee the possibility of a real freight crisis if AB5 takes hold in California trucking? Yeah, you got a lot going on in California that does, you know, it's, it's, I'm sorry to wear this out, but it is the perfect storm, right? You've got the Biden administration that is leaning towards an ABC test, although interestingly today, we see that David Weil will, was not approved to be the next chief of the U.S. Department of Labor. That's, we see that as somewhat good news, to be quite honest, until, until the next man up. And about an hour ago, I published a story on it on, on Freightways.com. Yeah. I just wanted to point that out. I, I actually, I, I, I saw that, John. And okay. yeah, so good, good work. And then, and then all of a sudden, you've got California CARB, kind of the last section of California CARB is the 2007 to 2009 truck engines can't operate out of the ports uh, by the end of this year, by January 1st of 2023. They're going to have to have 2010 engines. Well, when you look in Northern California, the number of trucks that are in that space represents 30% of the freight moving out of the uh, uh, ports of Northern California. So you've got that going on. You've got this issue of whether or not uh, the trucking industry with older drivers, the average age of a truck driver is north of 48 to 49 years old. Some of these guys are in their you know, mid to late 60s, and they're seeing that they can't operate their own independent business. They, they may cash their chips in and just leave the industry. So now you've got folks that no longer are being uh, want to be truck drivers. And do you have enough uh, new entrants coming in? We, you know, we do have the, the Young Driver Initiative uh, that, uh, that's going on at the federal level pilot program. But yeah, I, I think you've got a lot of things going on at the wrong time to create a real supply chain problem, uh, especially with major products coming in through the ports of California. And let's point out when the AB5 was first passed, it had a whole lot of exemptions, which had, quite frankly, not, no rhyme, nor reason. They were all over the map. That list was added to, but it's become pretty clear that the sponsor of it, Lorena Gonzalez, was primarily targeting two industries. One was the, the ride share industry and Uber Lyft, and that's on ice because of Prop 22 and the trucking industry. There's not going to be an exemption for trucking, right? Uh, I, I would say that was a hope and a prayer, but she made it pretty clear. She didn't she didn't imply that 
those were her targets. She point blank said those were her targets. And she, by the way, is no longer a legislator and is back in the, you know, the organized labor uh, segment of of business. Are a lot of are the companies getting ready? I talked about the whole sort of nuclear war plans. Um, do you are you finding that companies out there are looking at the various options just in case? Uh, you know, I think yes. You mentioned interestingly the one hundred and ten thousand uh, new authorities issued. Uh, I would uh, hazard to guess a lot of those are to very very small trucking companies. So you're seeing maybe a little bit of that realignment already occurring. And you're seeing, you know, motor carriers at least informationally trying to determine which direction they'll need to pivot to. And, and of course, paying attention to what the Supreme Court does. Well, from a journalist's perspective, this is the gift that keeps on giving because it's been a lot of fun covering this story. As a journalist, Greg, it's been great talking to you over really now the years for your perspective on it. And I want to thank you for joining us today on the Freightways Enterprise Fleet Summit uh, to share your views on AB5. Thanks, John. You're uh, one of the most knowledgeable journalists in the industry, so it's it's always a pleasure to spend time talking to you. Well, thanks. That's because I talk to you all the time. So anyway, so uh, our, again, Greg Fury from the Scope Leaders Law Firm, our guest today on the Enterprise Fleet Summit. Please stick around for more of the Freightways Enterprise Fleet Summit. I'm John Kingston. Thanks for joining.